Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. I do want to encourage you, if you've not already, to pick up your Great Detectives of Old Time Radio t-shirt. Or you can also get uh, the pullover hoodie with a really nice big front pocket on it. I love this thing. I'm actually wearing it right now as I record it. You can pick it up in our regular design over at t-shirt.greatdetectives.net or our Johnny Dollar Anniversary design at yourstruly.greatdetectives.net or our Joe Friday Never Said Just the Facts Ma'am t-shirt at friday.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. The original air date is May the 19th, 1953, and the title is The Emily Braddock Matter. The WBBM Air Theater, Wrigley Building, Chicago. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment, presents for your listening enjoyment, John Lund as... Johnny Dollar. Hi, Johnny. Frank Preston, Baltimore Liability. Oh, hi, Frank. How's it going? Okay, I guess, Johnny. Say, are you tied up? No, not at the moment. What is it? A bad check artist out on the West Coast has been giving us a lot of headaches lately. Uh Uh-huh. Hotel in Monterey, another one at Santa Cruz, and this morning I had a wire from one of our clients who runs a place in Santa Barbara. $4,500 $4,500 worth of claims already, and all in five days. Sounds like a very busy man. Uh, that's something else. It isn't a man, it's a woman. A woman? And you've got to stop her, Johnny. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum bring you John Lund in another adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum refreshes you. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum gives you real chewing enjoyment. Yes, for chewing enjoyment plus refreshment, it's Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. The lively, delicious flavor of Wrigley's Spearmint cools your mouth, helps keep your throat moist, and gives you a nice little lift. The good, smooth chewing of Wrigley's Spearmint helps keep you feeling fresh and alert, adds enjoyment to whatever you're doing. So for chewing enjoyment plus refreshment, treat yourself often to Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Baltimore Liability and Trust Corporation, 418 Virginia Boulevard, Baltimore, Maryland. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Emily Braddock matter. Expense account item one, $158.16. Plane fare and incidentals, Hartford to Santa Barbara. My mid-morning arrival was timed for the sun and the sea to show off a sizable and pleasantly crowded harbor, some sprawling hotels, two lush green golf courses, 
and acres and acres of snug, expensive homes. At the police station, my contact, a Sergeant Lopez, was out, so I went over to the Harbor Inn and met the victimized hotel operator, Glenn Sheridan. Tall, gray-haired, slacks, sports shirt, suntan, and sandals. <laughs> On the face of it, you'd think I'd been in the hotel business 20 minutes instead of 20 years, the way that woman took me. Well, she's done the same thing in several other nice hotels up and down the coast, if that's any comfort. Well, it isn't. I suppose the thing that bothers me most is that if she walked through that door right now and told me none of it was true, I'd probably believe her. She was that good. Mr. Dollar, she was the best. Why, she pranced in here as big as life, and I, she probably didn't have a nickel in her purse. And what's more, for the whole four days she was here, she didn't break her stride once. What do you mean? Well, only the best of everything. Oh. She gave you a check for $813, is that right? Uh, painfully right. Mm-hmm. And I took it, no questions. <laughs> Every night in the dining room, she'd order champagne, special dishes. I've seen my share of grifters and bad check artists, but she tops them all. Perfume, clothes, luggage, conversation, and a very pretty woman dollar. Beautiful, in fact. She checked in alone, registered as Mrs. Robert Payne Beverly Hills, right? Mm-hmm. Did it strike you as odd that a woman would check into a place like this, a resort hotel, alone? No, she wasn't alone long. She met other people. Became friends with at least a half a dozen guests in the place. Uh-huh. The way she was throwing my money around, why not? She picked up all the tabs. Well, ordinarily, I'd have been suspicious under those circumstances, Mr. Dollar, but she threw me off right from the very start. Well, how's that, Mr. Sheridan? Well, she showed up about midnight, came in a cab that was just loaded down with expensive luggage. Probably wrote a bad check for that someplace. Yeah, probably. She came swinging in the lobby with a cabbie following her and told the night clerk she wanted to see me. When I came down to the desk, she yelled, Sherry! Ran up and kissed me and asked how my wife was. Can you beat that? Nope. She acted as though we knew each other. And one of those tricks your mind plays on you in this business, I actually thought I remembered her from someplace. I see. She registered as Mrs. Robert Payne. Said she was on her way back from Lake Tahoe. Wanted to rest up. Something about just getting a divorce and being awarded 3000 a month alimony. That impressed me. Well, it didn't impress anyone, Mr. Sheridan. Well, I did make a check. She gave her home address as Beverly Hills, and there was a Robert Payne listed there. Later on, I found out he's in Europe with his wife and children. But his name was in the book. Yeah, and that was enough for me. Oh, she had a wonderful four days here, I'll say that for. Getting back to that part about her looking familiar. Well, there's nothing in that, Dollar. I did think I had seen her before, and of course she helped me think it, but I was too embarrassed to press the matter with her, I guess. Do you have a copy of her hotel account? I'd like to look it over. Yeah. The police have the check she gave me. It was drawn on a bank in Beverly Hills. Was it uh, personalized? No. Maybe I should have thought something of that, huh? Uh -huh. Well, here's this much. I can't stand to look it over. It makes me kind of sick. $813. I spent another hour with Mr. Sheridan as he distastefully covered the items on the bill she'd paid with a bad check. Later that afternoon, I met with Sergeant Lopez, who reported a woman answering the same description had passed bad checks in Burlingame, Santa Maria... And Ohio. Expense account item two, $114.85. 
transportation to Monterey and Santa Cruz, where I interviewed the other two clients who had filed claims. Their stories were much the same as Sheridan's. Expense account item three, $4.15. Long-distance phone call. That you, Johnny? Yeah, Frank. All the claims are pretty solid. The police have no line Don't on this... Don't come home. Oh? Hop down to Malibu Beach. She's done it again. At a place called the Seaside Inn. The guy who runs it found out it was bad 15 minutes after she left. That was this morning. I don't expect any miracles, but if you get down there right away, maybe you can get on her trail. Well, I'll try. Expense account item four, $38 even. Transportation Santa Barbara to Malibu. I didn't even bother to listen to a disgruntled hotel proprietor repeat a story I knew so well. but went directly to the sheriff's station and Sergeant Pell's. Well, that's about the picture. She was at the inn for four days and checked out this morning. She used the name Bradley. Ellen Bradley. She can't be too far ahead of you now. No. There might be a break on this one, too. While she was at the inn, she took up with one of our local residents, a man by the name of Garland. Lives over in the colony. He drove her into town this morning. Have you talked to him? I can't find him anywhere. He has a house over in the colony. The colony? Yeah, uh, that's uh, down the road a piece. They call it that because a lot of movie stars built beach homes there a long time ago. Movie colony. Oh, yeah. Is this Garland an actor? Yeah, when he gets work, which isn't very often, I guess. Mainly, he keeps suntanned. We're trying to locate him now, and as soon as we do it. Oh, excuse me. Sure. Sergeant Pell. Yeah, right away. Garland's home now. I went with Sergeant Pells to talk with Garland, who was in trunks and sunglasses in front of his house. A healthy, muscular, handsome man in his mid-thirties. He was a little stunned by the news we brought him. Ellen, a phony? Sergeant, are you sure about this? Well, you can ask the man at the seaside inn. He got the check. And Mr. Dollar here has been looking all over the state for it. Uh-huh. Well, come on, let's go up into the house. All right. I thought I knew her pretty well. Did you meet her out here or did you know her before? Oh, I met her at the Seaside Inn the first night she was here. Go ahead. Thank you. Now, sit down. Like something to drink? Uh, No, thank you. Not now, thanks. Understand you drove her into Los Angeles. That's right. I took her in this morning. Where did you take her? Beverly Glen Hotel. Did she check in there? No, she just dumped all her luggage. She told me she didn't know whether or not she'd have to go to Chicago tonight. Something about a house she owned there that had to be rented or sold. Did you leave her there? No, she made a phone call. Said she had to meet a lawyer. Yeah? She say where? Yeah, a bar in Hollywood. Uh, Topper on Coinga. So I drove her over there and left her. When was this? Oh, three hours ago. About one o'clock, I guess. Uh, how was she dressed? Uh, black strapless job. Uh-huh. Did she mention any names? Tell you anything about herself? Yeah, she told me that six months ago, a little two-year-old boy was killed in an automobile accident. She said that was the thing that broke up her marriage to this Bradley guy. Uh-huh. Said she needed to believe in something again, that she needed someone to believe in her. Well, I figured her for a pretty nice person, just having a little fling. Even with what you've told me, I believe that part of it. Why? Because she told me, and she cried a little when she was telling me. I don't care how you look at me. I don't think anyone could invent a story that tragic without some sort of basis. Well, maybe you've got a point, Garland, but 
A good liar can see a story in a newspaper, adapt it to his own needs, and uh, maybe even cry a little about it. Well, I still believe it. You know, Mr. Dollar, you ought to try believing what people tell you sometime. Yeah, I'll try it. Next time I have two weeks off. What? In my business, they call that a vacation. Well, what'll it be, gents? Police. I'd like to talk to the man who was on duty here at 1 o'clock this afternoon. Oh, that's me, Sergeant. My name's Lenny Pollard. Anything wrong? No, just routine. Well, can I get you something? No, thank you. We're trying to locate a woman who's been using the name Ellen Bradley. We were told she was in here around 1 o'clock today. Oh, I don't recognize that name. About 5'5", dark brown hair, brown eyes. Wore a black strapless summer dress when last seen. 30 or under. Uh Uh-huh. No, no one like that. One o'clock's a pretty quiet time. In fact, all afternoon's been quiet. No woman like that's been in here at all. You've been here all the time? Yeah, on duty since 11 o'clock. That's when we open. Uh, you sure this is the right place, the top of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. Wish I could help you. When we got to the Beverly Glen Hotel, a worried clerk was still wondering what to do with the 14 pieces of luggage Ellen Bradley had left there earlier. No, she hadn't phoned in and given him any instructions. No, she was not registered at the hotel. Sergeant Pels made arrangements for a man to cover the lobby in case she showed up to claim her things. By 8 the next morning, the Central Identification Bureau in Sacramento made a positive identification on a thumbprint taken from her room at the Seaside Hotel. She was identified as Emily Miles Braddock. Her nearest living relative was a sister, Elaine. Address 112 East Orange Avenue, Los Angeles. You! You down there? Yes. Who are you looking for? Elaine Braddock. Are you Miss Braddock? What do you want? I'd like to talk to you for a minute. Well, I don't want to buy nothing. I'm not selling anything. I'm an insurance investigator. You sure you got the right party? Elaine Braddock? Come on up, mister. Just open the door and come on up. Come on in. Come on in. Wanted to see me? Here I am. What do you want to see me about? The gray-haired woman who had cackled at me from the second story was sitting in a wheelchair by the window. My name's Johnny Dollar. I'm here about your sister. Oh, Emily, huh? Yes, we're trying to find her. Has she been around here? We know she's in the Los Angeles area. Emily was here a little bit yesterday afternoon. Where she's gone now, I don't know. Have no idea. How long was she here? Oh, she stayed maybe two or three hours. I hope I don't ever see her again. She's no good. Well, how did she get here? By car? Cab? I don't know. Just standing at the door yesterday, the same as you, all of a sudden. Well, how did she leave? Walked. Tried to borrow some money from me, but I wouldn't give her none, so she had to walk. Did she make any phone calls or see anybody else while she was here? She made a call. Any idea who it was? No. Did you happen to hear anything she said on the phone? No. Showing up here just like that after not writing or letting me hear from her all the time she was away. Getting herself in trouble with the police. 
being in jail. Ten years ago when I got hurt, she promised she'd take care of me. Look how she's done it. I have to live on the county. You know that? I got to live on the county and nobody cares about me. Is is she in bad trouble? I'm afraid so. Well, how bad is it, mister? Oh, ten years, maybe. Ten years? Ten years? Yeah, two was bad enough, but ten. What did you say your name was? Dollar. Mr. Dollar, I hope you don't catch her. Even if she kills someone, I hope you don't catch her. And I hate her. You're only young a little while, and that's all you got. Ten years in prison, and she'd... She'd come out worse off than I am. Friends, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you'll enjoy chewing Wrigley's Spearmint Gum. Chew Wrigley's Spearmint while you're working. The lively, full-bodied flavor of Wrigley's Spearmint gives you a refreshing little lift. The smooth, pleasant chewing of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum helps keep you feeling relaxed and satisfied. Makes your job seem easier. Chew Wrigley's Spearmint Gum in your home, when you're out walking or driving, when you're enjoying sports and other activities. Wrigley's Spearmint Gum tastes good anytime, and the natural chewing aids digestion and helps keep your teeth bright and attractive. Yes, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you'll enjoy chewing Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. And now, with our star, John Lund, we bring you the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. That afternoon, a follow-up came on Emily Miles Braddock. The completed folder included a mug shot that showed a woman of 30 years with dark brown hair, wide-set eyes, a well-formed nose and mouth. I took it with me when I went back to see Tom Garland. Oh, hi. Hi. Mind if I come in? What now? Your friend. What about her? I've been thinking about what you told me about her yesterday. That's nice. Here. Take a look at this. That's her, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's her. Can we talk now? Okay, come on in. Her name's Emily Braddock, not Ellen Bradley. Up until two months ago, she was in the state correction home for women, serving a two-year term for grand theft. Here, take your picture back. I'm not pushing my weight showing it to you, Garland. But you're a little stubborn about what you want to believe about her. If she lost a baby, as she told you, she was in prison when it happened. I thought I'd better prove this lie. All right, so you proved it. You mind if I sit down? No, help yourself. Thanks. Well, do you have anything else to tell me? Well, I suppose I do, since you don't want to seem to... You don't seem to want to tell me anything. I've been on this case almost a week now. In that time, I've talked to eight different men who have met Emily Braddock... and one woman who knew her by her real name and for what she really is. 
Garland, every one of those people came out on the short end of things with her. Now, just a minute, Joe. I've looked at I this mugshot. I've heard these men describe her, and I think I can understand why. It's not hard to imagine this face set off with a nice hairdo, some earrings, makeup, and the works. This sister of hers I met this morning lives in a very crummy neighborhood. A family home. She's all Emily has left. Or vice versa. Emily walked out on her. Well, if it's as bad as you say it is, why shouldn't she? For one reason, her sister's a hopeless cripple. But even she would protect Emily. You're my only hope. What? This woman can get away from us right now. She's smart and clever... She can go right on doing the same thing she's been doing all along. Oh, she'll get caught eventually. But... but because I know her and she passed a few bad checks doesn't mean that I'm responsible in any way. You know that. You're right, it doesn't. But you're involved just the same. You're different from a hotel man who's been tilted. You're a boyfriend. True, just a four-day boyfriend. But a woman like that can do a lot of damage in four days' time. Why are you here, Dollar? What do you want? I'm here to disillusion you, Garland. Because I don't think you're disillusioned enough right now. Now, wait a minute. I you're don't a perfect stranger that... to me. I don't know you from a Grand Rapids chair. But I'm doing you a favor telling you that Emily Braddock is a crook and a thief and a forger and that everything she ever told you was a lie. Now and then a woman walks into a man's life that he'd sell his soul for. But don't ever do any business along those lines with this baby because all she'll do is give you a bad check for it. She's trouble in a great big way, Garland. And you know it as well as I do. Well, what do you want me to do? Apologize for meeting her? I'll be satisfied if you tell me why you lied. Garland, Emily Braddock never went to that bar you were talking about earlier. You didn't drop her off there. No one there had even seen her. And she's the kind who could walk into the World Series with 50,000 other people around and still be noticed. Where is she now? I don't know. I won't buy that. Not from you. Now, let's try once more. Where is she? What did you do with her after you dropped the luggage off at the Beverly Glen Hotel? Where did you take her? She phoned you from her sister's house yesterday afternoon, didn't she? Right after I'd been here with Sergeant Pelds. Garland, you should see that sister. Ellen's what... in Santa Monica. Where? At a little hotel called El Tonquis. She's registered there as Evelyn Brady. Where's your phone? It's over there. Operator. Sheriff's office, please. Thank you. Dollar? Yeah? Dollar, could it be fixed so that she wouldn't know that I told you? Could be. All of this beats me. I, I don't understand it. What? Oh, what you've told me is true, I know, but... An hour ago, she called me up and said, Tom, I love you. That sounded true, too. I, I told her I loved her, and now I'm turning her in. What kind of a crazy world do we live in? Twenty minutes later, Sergeant Pels and I were in the rickety elevator in the El Tanquis Hotel, a place as dingy and old as the Spanish name it bore. A little different from the swank hotels where our suspect had lived so gaily. Pels was thinking of it, too. Yeah, some joint this is. Yeah. What was it, 518? Yeah, it's down this way, I think. This one kind of harpoons you a little, huh? Hmm. Yeah, I suppose so. There are a lot worse things than passing bad checks and telling lies. But the way she handled it, 
No one even raised an eyebrow. Yeah. I heard it. Yes? Emily Braddock. Beg your pardon? I said, is your name Emily Braddock? You must have the wrong room. My name's Evelyn Brady. Sorry, miss. You're the one we want. I'll have to change into a dress. I'll check the room. Excuse me. What's this all about? I think you already know. I have no idea. What is it all about? Bad checks. There must be some mistake. All right, miss. Go ahead and change. We'll wait out here. Thank you. Uh, I'm sorry. We'll have to keep this open a little bit. Oh? You can dress behind it if you want. If that doesn't suit you, well, we'll take you down like you are. Thanks again. Uh, two windows on the outside, no ledge. Firelighters across the court. Any luggage? A little makeup kit. Bella? Yeah? Now that you've seen her, what do you think? Well, I'm only human. Too bad she's a crook. Emily Braddock was held at the sheriff's office in Malibu. The officers who questioned her reported that she steadfastly refused to admit any part of some 16 counts that had been filed against her. I wasn't surprised to learn this, but I was surprised when she sent word that she'd like to see me before I left town. Hi. Here you're about ready to beat it. Uh-huh. You're the one who talked to him, aren't you? Talked to who? Tommy Garland. He told you where I was, didn't he? Sure, he did. I thought you wanted to tell me something. You thought wrong. The same as all these others around here. I'm not going to tell you or anybody else anything. Police are like hotel men. You figure out their little system and then you beat it. If you say so. I don't have a lot of time. We could be pretty good friends, you and I, if this hadn't come up. I mean, a drink or something together. We'd have looked nice. Oh, look, Emily. You're the one who got him to tell where I was. And he asked you to fix it so I wouldn't know. Oh, yeah, Tommy would do that, I know. What I don't know is what you said to him. How did you get him to tell? Is that all you're interested in? It's not asking anything. Well, I told him just what you are. A thief. A crook. That sold him? Well, he told me where to find you. I guess it did. <laughs> I must be slipping. You slept a long time ago. When you walked out on that sister of yours... When you thought you could talk and look your way into anything you wanted. I didn't know I thought that, but if you say so. Whatever I've got, it's worked. Has it? Two years, the last time. Whatever you get this time will be longer, no matter what you say or don't say. I'm not in a courtroom yet. That's where it happens. Not in a lousy jail. We'll see about that. You're just as bad and just as dumb as the worst of them. Any day you believe that. Like it says in the manual, when a woman's suspect is to be interrogated, remember that the strongest appeal to her is in her family connections and moral outlook. Question her regarding these. Stinking cops. Just stinking cops. You never give up, do you? Hardly ever. Stinking cop. <laughs> Uh, 
Emily Braddock goes to trial next month. I won't be there. But six clients of Baltimore liability will be. Expense account item five. Miscellaneous, $265. Item six, same as item one. Transportation back to Hartford. Expense account total, $738.32. Remarks. The next time I go after a check artist, I hope it isn't a good-looking woman who feels that there's no one in the world she can't dominate. This last one scared me, even if she was behind bars. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Remember, friends, Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum refreshes you. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum gives you real chewing enjoyment. The lively, full-bodied flavor of Wrigley's Spearmint cools your mouth, freshens your taste, sweetens your breath. The smooth, pleasant chewing of Wrigley's Spearmint helps keep you feeling relaxed and satisfied, makes whatever you're doing more enjoyable. Yes, for refreshment plus chewing enjoyment... Treat yourself often to Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Millions enjoy it daily. Get a few packages and always keep some handy. That's Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar... Brought to you by Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum, stars John Lund in the title role and was written by E. Jack Newman with music by Milton Charles. Featured in tonight's cast were James McCallion, John McIntyre, Bill Conrad, Stacey Harris, Jeanette Nolan, and Joan Banks. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. <laughs> The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum hope you enjoyed tonight's story of Johnny Dollar and that you're enjoying delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Gum every day. This is Charles Lyon inviting you to join us again next week at this same time when from Hollywood, John Lund returns as yours truly, Johnny Dollar. is the CBS Radio Network. Welcome back. I was really hard on this episode uh, the first time we played it, and I think part of the reason for that was that when I played it, it had been a previously uncirculated episode. This had been something that People had not heard it all in 60 plus years. And so I was unveiling it, bringing it out, and expecting it to be good. And not only that, but it was also one of the serials that was the basis of a five-part Bob Bailey Johnny Dollar serial that I really enjoyed. So I was excited, and it disappointed me. Now, listening to it many years later, with low expectations coming in, it's not horrible, but it's also not 
uh, all that good either. One of the problems is it's just hard to really get all that worked up about the crime. Now, the, during this era, had quite a few radio programs and TV programs uh, that went away from what was kind of the traditional norm of most investigative programs, which focused on murder and violent crimes unless they were wanting to do something like around the holidays or for some fun occasion where they might say, yeah, let's just go ahead and skip having a murder this week. And they took crimes that were property crimes or were con games. The secret of those uh, particular types of stories is they would make either the crime interesting or they would help us to in some way emotionally connect with what happened and to understand the impact of the crime. Uh, it's something like on Dragnet they had the episode The Big Betty which was about the obituaries racket. And they made us feel the impact this had to the victim. Or you had Racket Squad, which really focused on a combination of emotional impact and also on really getting us interested in how are they working this? What is the scheme and how is it going to be undone? This, she really lies a lot, and that's about the extent of it. The attempt to create emotional connection might have worked better on people in the 1950s, but her sister's situation, while sad, certainly she really needed to you know, follow her family obligations in some way, wasn't really related to the crime. I mean, Emily could have gone off and taken an honest job and neglected her sister just as much. Uh, the fact that she's not taking care of her, not helping her out, has to do with her selfishness and not her crookedness. I did think it was an interesting scene when uh, she diagnosed how she was given away and all also had her own thought and psychological profile on how the police typically act, you know, and that's a cool ability to have, and certainly a lot of criminals, and particularly con artists, are very good judges of human nature and have a good understanding of practical psychology. Of course, it would be better to have the idea that uh, the guy that she was uh, girlfriend for for a few days might not be reliable and therefore not to trust him rather than figuring it out after the fact. That's how you end up uh, a two-time loser. I still don't get the uh, idea of her scaring him. She's a typical con artist. Johnny deals with arsonists, killers, so I don't get that still. Again, this was not as bad as I thought it was initially, because I'm not disappointed in looking at it more clear-eyed, but it's still got flaws and it still has a few things about it that leaves me scratching my head. Although, it will end up cleaning up nicely when certain portions of it get incorporated into a five-part Bailey story, which will bring in probably a year or so. Now, listener comments and feedback, and uh, got some uh, feedback on the uh, whole episode, The Blackmail Matter, where I said I thought it sounded like Richard Diamond, maybe a lost episode we hadn't heard. 
Uh, Denise commented, uh, this is a rewrite of a Richard Diamond episode, but it's not a lost episode. You played it on the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, episode 2249, Richard Diamond, The Bald Head Case. According to your podcast website, the original air date was September 20th, 1950. You commented on how illogical the plan to elicit a confession was in your comments for that one as well. Well, I'm glad I remain a consistent, uh, you know, so long ago. You know, two years, you know, we played that in 2017, and two years later it was 2019. And about 25 years later, it's been an interesting couple years, I guess, for everybody. Um, We're into 2021, and I'm glad to have remained consistent. And Thanks so much uh, for the answer, Laura. And I really should have noticed that because I provided John Abbott of the uh, author of the Who is Johnny Dollar matter information on some episodes I found their original sources of Johnny Dollar episodes. He uh, has sent me when he finds an episode of another series that was made into Johnny Dollars. And he sent out an email about this a a couple months back. And for some reason, it just slipped my mind. So my bad on that. But thanks again for the comment. Jim uh, emailed in as well. And he added, I don't remember the number, but it was Murder in a Hairstylist Studio. The owner was a friend of Diamonds. They even... Uh, used the same uh, jokes Richard used on Walt Levinson in the uh, sanitarium. Well, that part I definitely can uh, believe. Uh, He says, I'm a long-time listener and a Patreon supporter. Thanks for all you do. My very best wishes to you and your wife for your new almost arrival. Well, thanks so much and really appreciate that, Jim. All right, well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Jack Patreon supporter since November 2019, currently supporting us at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Again, thanks so much for your support, Jack. That will do it for today. If you are enjoying this episode on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. But coming up tomorrow, we're heading out Texas way for another adventure with Jace Pearson and Tales of the Texas Rangers, where... At five minutes past midnight on December 12th, several years ago, Sheriff Bob Smithers of Bradshaw County, Texas, staged a raid on a gambling establishment located on a country road. But there were no patrons in the house. And the sheriff's face grew dark red as he and the local constable failed to find any evidence. And nothing in the upstairs room either, Sheriff. You're sure of that, huh, Jim? Not even a deck of cards. See, Sheriff, like I told you, I quit the racket. Yet this is the fourth time this year you rousted me out of bed. I know you're operating, Walton. And I'm going to get you for it. You're not going to milk the citizens of this county. Not while I'm sheriff. Look, Sheriff... This happens to be my house. Warrant or no warrant, you finished your business here. How about getting out? I guess we might as well go, Sheriff. No, Jim. We're going to stay a minute. I want to talk to Walton. And you. About what? I was sure of this raid tonight, Jim. Dead sure. Just like I've been sure the last three times. Because only you and me ever knew about them. I didn't tell nobody but you, Jim. You, the constable. (laughs) 
Sounds like he's accusing you of tipping me off, Dunn. I know he tipped you, Walton. You better watch what you're saying, Bob. All that talk about law and order and wanting to uphold him. Let me see your wallet, Jim. Take it out and let me see it. Now, wait a minute, Sheriff. You shut up. Come on, Jim. I want to see if you're carrying the kind of money an honest man gets for being a peace officer. What I carry on me is my own business. Why, you cheap two-bit snake. Nothing cheap about a few hundred once in a while. Be smart, Sheriff. Get a few for yourself. Why don't you listen to him, Sheriff? He's talking sense. Come on, both of you. I'm taking you in. You can't make anything stick. Maybe not. But I'm going to make this county too hot for both of you. I'm going to run you out of it. Keep your hands off me, Sheriff. You're under arrest. Grab him, Walton. I just I got him. Just hold him, fool, while I get his gun. you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.